Well, hello and welcome back to the Sovereign Projector podcast, a podcast not just for projectors. It has been a minute. It is so funny that nearly 400 people listened to my last episode and my last episode, of course, being what recorded last November, like the end of last November, um, when I was saying farewell. And I'm not even sure, I haven't re-listened to that episode, but I'm not even sure if I said, hey, maybe I'll come back one day. Well, surprise, I'm back. Um, You should have known that I couldn't stay away forever. As much as I enjoy other modes of self-expression and have been exploring, sharing my thoughts and realizations and my own deconditioning journey and my client's deconditioning journey and my travels and all these things, on other things like Instagram stories and sometimes email and blog posts even and writing and whatever else. You know I have missed being able to actually speak and speak in full sentences and explain myself and anybody who does follow my business Instagram which is at Relentless Alignment um, and like reads my stories, they are paragraphs because it's very difficult for me to work in short form self-expression. So here we are. And you know, it's like people don't have, I mean, I know I barely ever have the attention span these days to read longer form things. I mean, let's just embrace the fact that our minds are moving a thousand miles an hour. There's nothing wrong with it. That's just how we're mutating. Um, but it's like listening to things. Yeah, sure. Like I can put on a podcast that goes for like an hour and no worries, probably enjoy it very much. So long story short, this is why, well, one of the reasons why I am back. Uh, so hope you are happy that I'm back. Um, If you are, let me know. I really do enjoy feeling like I'm not just speaking to an open and empty void. So send me a DM, whatever, say hello. Let me know who's listening as always. Um, This episode is just going to be, well, since the last episode was like a little farewell, let's do a hello. Let's say, say like what I've been up to. Like if you think about it, like it's been 10 months. Yeah, almost 10 months since the final episode, the farewell. Um, And I know at the time, I'm pretty sure, yes, I was in Perth or maybe I was somewhere else in WA in Western Australia, just wrapping up uh, five months of travel all around Australia, which I was lucky enough to do to see my home country. Um, It was amazing. Um, So very long story short, let's let's not spend too long dwelling on where I've been and all that uh, so we can get right back into the juicy stuff. Um, I do have so many ideas for things that I want to talk about in this podcast. Um, And yeah, some of it will be, I think like one of the reasons why I felt like I had to shed this podcast at the time I did was because I just, because it started as a specifically human design podcast, I felt like I had to like stick to that. Um, This is probably something I've spoken about a thousand times and just like that pressure, right? Um, But, you know, after taking this long break and also just like, as you'll hear, like moving through my own like deconditioning journey so intensely through the past, like especially year, um, just the expansion of my own knowledge and all of that and the things that I want to share and like feel the craving to talk about and like to talk about, 
moves so far beyond human design. And like one thing that I've started saying to my students and like my clients as well is that like human design is the study essentially of being human. And like, so when we think about it, like if we're just talking about human design to just talk about human design, like the system, as wonderful as the system is, and we leave out all the human stuff, like all the ways that it can apply and all the stories and all the adventures and all the deconditioning like journeys that we that it takes us on we're minimizing it right we're making it just this like mechanical thing that we do but like human design and an experiment a hd experiment is not something that you do it's something that you embed into your human life and you explore and you play with right so we're going to talk more about that i don't want to get too stuck into it like i said this episode is just where I've been, what's been happening, etc. So right now, let's start with that. Um, I am in Melbourne. Um, I moved into my apartment uh, here in like the northern suburbs of Melbourne um, in February. So February 1st, it was like the Aquarius new moon, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe it was, yes, it was the Aquarius new moon. I moved into uh, my apartment and it has a proper office. I moved into a two better and I made one of the rooms, obviously the room that I'm not sleeping in my office slash guest room so that I can have friends that I meet on my travels come stay with me. Cause I was like, well, that's really important to me to be able to maintain that sense of adventure. Um, that sense of excitement about life that comes for me, like for me, how I gain that sense of excitement about life is via travel. And so I can like get that by proxy by having travelers stay with me. So that is where I'm recording this right now. Um, so yeah, moved in in February. And then you guys might know if you've been listening to the podcast for a while or you've listened to back episodes, you might know my friend Abby, who I met way back in 2020. I did a reading for her. And since then, like we've recorded a bunch of podcasts together. We've um, done, we've run programs together. She is an emotional projector. She's amazing. And so in March slash April, she came to stay with me and we did a bit more travels in Australia. We went to Sydney, which I hadn't been to for a few few years. Sydney, uh, sorry, people who live in Sydney, it's such a cool place to visit. I could never live there. Um, but it was such a fun weekend and we went to Gold Coast and we went to Cairns and then she stayed with me in Melbourne for a few days too. So that was really fun. Um, and not long after that, I was like, okay, I'm bored. It's getting really, really cold um, in in the city. Uh, obviously like June, July, August is our winter here. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to be turning 30 at the end of this year. Actually, no, it was when we're in Cairns. Yeah, when we're in Cairns, we met this girl and she was traveling as well. And she was like doing her, she was like 25 or something, 25, 26. And she was aiming for her 30 by 30. So what this is, is just like traveling to 30 different countries by 30 years old. And like, I'd completely forgotten, but this was one of my goals. Like this was one of my huge like intentions for my 20s since I started traveling um, when I was 20 um, was to go to 30 countries. And I sort of thought like I, it really went like got relegated to the back of my head um, because of lockdown, obviously, like had to spend like two years in Australia. Um, and it was great. Like I said, I got to travel Australia, much luckier than a lot of people during lockdown, all of that. Um, but I was like, Do you know what, let me just like count up 
what I'm up to. And so I counted up my countries and I think I was sitting on 22 or 23. And that was where this little idea got planted into my head because I was like, I still have six months until I'm 30. And this is like seven or eight countries left. Like that's totally doable. So I started planning and my sister, one of my sisters is also traveling at the moment. She's still on her little adventure now. Um, So I was like, where are you going to be in May, June, July, whatever. Um, I'm thinking of traveling, would love to come visit you. And she was in Sri Lanka. So I made a little plan um, to go to Sri Lanka, uh, sorry, Cambodia and Sri Lanka, because they are two of the countries like closer to Australia. Australia is so far from everything, as you all probably know. Um, But like Asia is like obviously like our closest like international destination other than New Zealand, which I've already been to. And Cambodia and Sri Lanka are like two of the Asian countries that were open for travel um, with with no restrictions and all of that, Um, like no need to quarantine or whatever, and also that I hadn't been to. So I was like, cool, I'll do a six-week trip there, and then maybe I'll come home for a few weeks, get grounded again, um, and then do another trip where I could go to some more later in the year um, before I turn 30 or actually maybe for my 30th. And I wasn't like, I wasn't like I 100% have to do 30 by 30, I was just like, let's just play. Let's see what happens. You never know what this year could bring. And so, um, yeah, I spent, what, like February till the end of May living here. End of May, I got on a plane and, oh, my God, my first time overseas since literally like a resort in Thailand in January 2019, like far, far, far too long ago for this um Sagittarius ninth house Venus and North Node I didn't realize how much I needed it um and flew to Cambodia and what do you know again I don't want this (laughs) to be too long but there's just so many stories uh, that I could share about this past like few months but what do you know literally within two days of arriving in Cambodia I got the literal bird flu Um, so for my first week and like, I hardcore took care of myself. Like I managed to meet the first few days. I couldn't get out of bed. Like there were, I'm not joking. Like you can like check my search history on my phone. There was one night where I was Googling like how to write your last will and testament. Cause I was hundred percent certain this was it. Like I was going to die. Um, and I was traveling by myself too. I hadn't met anyone yet because I'd gotten sick straight away. So I had no one to be like, can you go buy me food? Like I literally can't lift my head off the pillow. Like, can you go um, get me medicine, anything? The tiny little minuscule amount of energy that I had each day was spent like in just like this absolute haze, daze, blur. I can't even describe how sick I was. Um, Walking to reception to buy a fresh bottle of water, like a fresh liter bottle of water to get me through the day to actually just like stay hydrated. Um, Because obviously in Cambodia, you can't drink the tap water. So um, I wasn't able to drink the water in my room. I had to get up, get that and come back and then just lay back down and sleep again. That was all I could do. Um, But fortunately, um, after about a week, I started to feel a little bit better, made some beautiful friends um, at the place I was staying and spent three weeks gallivanting across Cambodia through like these small villages and the islands. If you have never looked up like, or seen pictures of the Cambodian islands, like Karong and Karong Salom, uh, do it now and 
put it on your list. Like they're beautiful, stunning. I've also been to many, many Thai islands. None of them come close to the beauty. Um, and they're like obviously countries that are right next next door to each other. And everybody talks about the Thai islands, but the Cambodian islands are something else. It's literal paradise. So we did that. Um, just like me traveling with these people that I'd met on the first day. Um, just had so much fun, right? So it was like in this first few weeks of this trip that A, my laptop broke. And so all of my plans to keep working um, at, at the rate I had been while traveling were gone. Um, I like Googled various repair shops in Cambodia, but a lot of the reviews were like, yeah, they just like put a bunch of malware on my laptop. Um, and I couldn't find one that was like trustworthy. Um, and then I didn't really want to buy a laptop overseas because obviously I would prefer to have it in English and with like an Australian keyboard because I know where all the keys are and all those little things. So I was like, do you know what? This is obviously like a sign that I'm meant to take a little break from working at the rate that I had been. Um, not that I was working <laughs> that much, but you know what I mean? And so I just surrendered, you know, I just let go. Um, and it was also around this exact time, just before my laptop broke that I was like, yeah, I can't go home after six weeks. Like I cannot go back home to the middle of winter, like the literal dead of winter. All my friends were texting me like this winter is so cold. Um, I really don't do well in cold. I'm sure I've spoken about it. I get a lot of chronic pain, um, like really, really, really bad, like seasonal affective disorder, like can't see the purpose in life. Heart's like an empty vessel. Um, as soon as it starts raining, etc. Um, so I was like, do you know what? Whatever. So I booked a flight to Turkey, spoke to my sister. I was like, do you want to travel Turkey with me? She was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, and then I also booked a flight home from Greece for the end of August. And that was it. I was going to be away for three whole months. I was going to skip the entire Melbourne winter again. Um, and I didn't know what the next few months would bring. Um, okay, so there was that. Then I went to Sri Lanka. God, I don't even know. There's so much to this story. I, again, I don't want to tell you everything, but I feel like you guys kind of like my travel stories. So whatever, I'll just like share a bit. But yeah, went to Cambodia. Um, obviously, Cambodia is very, as always, but more so this year, um, politically unstable. Um, if you haven't heard much about the crisis there, there's like a massive fuel crisis, um, currency crisis, uh like food shortages etc etc like really really bad their government is beyond corrupt like probably one of if not the most corrupt governments in the world um and so there wasn't a lot of other travelers there uh and the thing is is that like the way that obviously like australian and other news outlets can portray it can make it seem that sri lanka was unsafe or an unsafe place to be um, I never felt unsafe when I was there. Like the, the, the locals were so kind and extra kind because they were so grateful that, you know, me, my sister and like the few, um, travelers that were there were so like, so grateful that we were there because like tourism is currently their only source of like international income. They need it more than anything. And so, just completely like looked after taking care of like hospital hospitality and just like safety to like the nth degree like literally I not that anything did happen but I felt that like if 
anyone had like tried anything or whatever, there would be like 20,000 other Sri Lankans just stepping in and be like, yo, leave the tourists alone. Um, so it was really amazing. Um, I like some of my fondest memories were, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just like the three, five in me, but it's the struggle, like, and obviously the channel of struggle, but like all the struggles of travel, that's what makes travel what it is to me. Like if, if I was to stay in a fancy resort and have everything provided for me, like, I'd be like, what is the point? Like, I'm not learning anything. I'm not growing. This is too easy. Um, but if you, when you go to Sri Lanka, make sure you catch a local bus, like even if it's just once. Um, but like, basically this is the process. And like, again, I put this on my Instagram stories, but it's just so fun. So let's say you need to get from the South of Sri Lanka to the East of Sri Lanka in one day, right? This is a true example. This is something that actually happened to me. But the bus timetables are completely unreliable and there's like Google Maps is like completely unreliable. The buses just come when the buses want to come, right? This is how this country works. It's it's madness. It's chaos. It's incredible. And so you just turn up at the bus stop, like a pretty major bus stop, like go to one of the big ones where they're used to having tourists. And so there will be some people at least who speak English um, and see you and know what you're doing. And then you hold your phone and you look confused, like have your phone on Google Maps open to your final destination, right? Not where you think you have to change buses, have your final destination open on Google Maps, right? And so for me, it was Aragon Bay, right? I knew I had to get from the South Hirakatiya to Aragon Bay in one day. I didn't want to stay anywhere else. Um, my ATM card had stopped working, so I had to get to my sister so she could get money out for me in one day because I had like 14 Australian dollars left in cash and nowhere in Sri Lanka takes card basically. Um, so anyway, holding out my phone, someone will approach you. Someone will see that you are struggling, that you're not from there and they will walk up to you and they'll say, where do you want to go? And you show them, this is my final destination. And they will say, <clears throat> okay, cool. So you want to wait here, like stay here, don't move, get on this number bus, right? And they'll tell you the number bus or they'll find someone who is like also waiting for the same bus that you need to get on and tell them, you know, help this girl. She wants to get to here. And they'll say at this town and you can ask them to write it down for you because obviously like, especially if English is your first language, like some of the Sri Lankan words are a bit confusing um, or like they're spelt very differently to how they're pronounced. Um, they'll say at this town, you transfer onto this number bus and you go to here and they'll usually tell you the entire route, um, but you can just do it step by step. Like just be like, okay, cool. That first transfer is here. And then they will make sure, or like someone will make sure that you get on the right bus. Uh, you have to like stick, like a lot of the times you have to really like stick up your hand, like run for the bus. Like, otherwise they won't stop. Like they are speeding through, you get on, it's packed absolutely packed. There is no limit, no capacity to the amount of people that will be on a Sri Lankan bus. Absolutely not. Oh my God. No, like picture the busiest bus that you've ever been on, triple it, like add three times the amount of people and then add a few extra people like dangling from the sides. And when I was there again, it was especially bad and really a really bad thing that it was so unsafe because uh, nobody could get petrol because petrol wasn't available um, because yeah the Sri Lankan government like got rid of all their international currencies where they couldn't buy they couldn't purchase petrol from Russia wherever 
Um, and so there wasn't petrol available. So everyone was on public transport, like hanging off the sides, like really, really dangerous, right? But, you know, usually if you get on at an early stop, which I usually tried to do if possible, you can get a seat. Um, and again, they're so, so like looking out for tourists. They won't let you hang off the side. Um, they'll like push you on. And then you spend the next one, two, three, four, five hours, however long till your first transfer, transfer being crushed like essentially just being progressively and progressively crushed. Like there were multiple times where uh, my legs almost got pushed in, caved in, broken, um, just from people wanting to like get off the bus, get on the bus, pay the ticket, the ticket man, like the ticket man and that ticket man, oh my God, he has the toughest job in the world uh, because, you know, like when new people stuff themselves onto a packed bus, he's got to get their payment, right? But how does he get through this packed bus where there's literally no room to move? But he finds a way. He finds a way every single time. I didn't see one person like not pay for their ticket. Um, yeah. And not only that, they play really, really loudly, like Sri Lankan pop music. And it's just incredible. Like literally chef's kiss. It's just an experience like nothing else in the world. And then you get to your first transfer. Um, and because by this stage, people are like, well, because there's so few tourists, especially, um, people are like, wow, okay, where is this white girl going? You know, like what what is her deal? Like, why is she by herself? What is she doing here? And so they'll either ask you where you're going or they'll ask each other, like, where's she going kind of thing. So I'd usually have like two, three, four, five Sri Lankan locals whenever it was coming up to my stop, just like tapping me on the shoulder, being like, ma'am, like, get ready, go get your stuff. Like your stop's coming up, blah, 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 blah. Like so, so kind, so looked after. It was amazing. And then you get off. Um, and you either do the same thing again, or if you had a little watcher on that bus, they'll come with you. They'll make sure you get onto your transfer bus, um, and tell a person on your transfer bus, like, this is where this girl is going. This is where she needs to transfer next. Um, and now you have a new watcher. Now you have like a new person who knows where, you, where you want to go, um, where you need to transfer all of that stuff. And then you just tell the ticket man, like, you don't pay before you get on the bus, you pay when you're on the bus. And so like you, he'll eventually come around to you, say, where are you going? You tell him your destination. He'll tell you an amount and you pay him um, in cash. It's an incredible experience. I had so many times where it was just wild. <sighs> okay. So that was Sri Lanka. Um, and then um, again, don't want to make this too long. So I won't go into all the details, but we obviously my sister and I we were meant to meet up in <clears throat> um Greece no sorry we were meant to meet up in Turkey uh that okay so the night I left Sri Lanka I left Sri Lanka at like 2 3 a.m but I got to the check-in desk at Sri Lanka and I tried to check in and they were like no I'm sorry we can't let you on this flight like this flight's delayed so you'll miss your transfer and so I had to contact my sister and be like uh what are we gonna do and very long story short I ended up just like throwing my hands up in the air in surrender being like okay where can I go um my host in Sri Lanka had used his last little bit of petrol that he did have left to take me to the airport so I couldn't ask him to come pick me up and also by this stage I was so ready to leave um and just like get on to the next leg of my journey um so it's like two three four-ish a.m. in a Sri Lankan airport I'm trying to call this call center of the airline to figure out 
like what my options are. Can they get me on a different flight? Uh, can I get a refund? Anything? Of course, it's that early in the morning, so no one's answering. No one at the airport could give me any answers. So I ended up booking an expensive last minute flight to Greece. And fortunately, my sister, flexible, cool, chill person that she is, um, also booked a last minute flight from well she landed in Turkey because like she was already like checked in for her flight like on the way to Turkey she landed in Turkey spent I think four or five days in Istanbul and then flew over and met me in Athens and we spent the next I think like it was probably two months that we were traveling together kind of off and on um but yeah we we did Athens we did Crete uh, we went to Cyprus um and just like spent a bunch of time like exploring places I I mean and you guys wouldn't even have caught this but like earlier this year I went through a real Greek mythology phase where I was just obsessed learning everything about Greek mythology and of course with Crete that's like where my favorite myth which is Ariadne and the Minotaur and Theseus and um the Palace of Knossos and all of that is on Crete so I was like I don't care where we go we have to go to Crete uh, which is like a Greek island. So we went there. I got to go to the actual temple of, uh, te- no, Palace of Knossos. Um, God, saw so many things. Saw like Dionysus um, temples, saw Athena temples, obviously in Athens. It was just so cool. Um, and then Cyprus, of course, is said to be the birthplace of Aphrodite, another one of my favorite Greek goddesses who doesn't love a little Aphrodite. So we got to go there and just like see and feel all the mythology associated with these places. Um, and then for the final part of our trip, actually there are two final parts of my trip, but my sister and I had both uh, met lovers people we were interested in um in Sri Lanka and they both happened to live in Israel uh and so we were both invited to Israel and we spent the next month well actually it was probably like three and a half weeks for me a month for her in Israel um with our men (laughs) and then when they were at work during the week we would travel together all around Israel so I got to see the birthplace of Mary Magdalene which was again just like a huge pilgrimage moment for me we went to the Sea of Galilee which is of course where Jesus walked on water Um, we took a little trip across the border in the south to Egypt uh, to the Red Sea uh, where of course Moses parted the Red Sea I got to so like my my man my dude um, he grew up in a village and had like a rabbi and was like raised very very Jewish so got to hear some of those like Old Testament um, stories from like his perspective and like how they were taught it growing up and like just the little differences between that and of course like the Christian or Catholic Bible um, that I wasn't really raised with but like I know more because that was what we were like taught in school Um, and like hear those stories from that perspective was so fascinating like you know again myths stories legends all of these things I think just have such a richness and lessons about where humanity comes from and what we're doing here and how we do keep telling these same stories just in different ways and different ways of expressing it again and again 
um, and why certain cultures, like especially like, you know, obviously Israel, like they have their roots in cultures from like up to like 40,000, 50,000 years ago. Maybe it's not that long. I did go to the Israel Museum there and, and learned a lot, but I can't remember the exact, but it's like a very, very long uh, history as well that is all dependent and all kind of told and all originates with the Old Testament um, or what they call the Torah. So that was really fascinating. I got to learn so much and it was just such a fun way to travel because like my sister and I at this time, like we weren't tourists, like we were um we were living there uh like essentially and being shown like the everyday life rather than staying in like the tourist center like we were staying in apartments or houses or whatever or you know my sister stayed on a farm for a while um and like really being embedded or feeling like we were part of that culture and yeah there there was a lot like there were so many highs and lows there um, which maybe I'll speak more about some other time, but just overall, just like one of the most, and again, it was just such an unplanned country that I never planned to go to. Um, but I'm so glad I did. And I got to, um, cause I'd never been to the Middle East before. And now I've been to Egypt, what I think, which I think is technically the Middle East as well. And also Israel. So it was really fun. Uh, I don't know if I'd go by myself, but you never know. Okay, and I've been talking for nearly half an hour. How did that happen? So anyway, so yes, as much as like I enjoyed this trip, um, I really didn't, I still didn't feel ready to go home. So um, we we said goodbye, said goodbye to my person, um, said goodbye to Colleen, which was so hard, so hard. And it was so funny, like as it was so crazy, like as and this is just like the universe, man. I mean, it never, never fails to flip me out, flip me off, flip me off. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. Never fails to freak me out. That's the word. Um, as I was getting on the train to go to the airport and like Colleen was like hugging me goodbye. Like this dude gets off the train, like a Tel Aviv station and is wearing a shirt that said like, it was just like too long of a sentence to put on a shirt, but it was like, uh, if goodbyes are hard, it shows that you like it. No, it's good that goodbyes when goodbyes are hard because it shows that you have loved or something ridiculous. I have like the the screenshot of what I sent to Colleen because I sent it to her straight after. But I was just like, wow, that is so true. That is exactly it. Like it's the depth of feeling that makes goodbye so hard and sucks so much every time you have to say goodbye, especially when you do travel a lot. Um, and just like that though, like I would not trade for the world. So I spent five days totally solo in Athens after this. Um, of course, if you remember earlier in the story, much earlier in the story, I had booked my flight home for Athens for like the 28th of August. Um, and this five days was just to be by myself, um, which I hadn't been for about three months. Uh, which was really interesting to explore because obviously like as projectors and all of that, we're told that like, oh, you know, you need time alone in your energy to recharge. But it was funny for this like three months, I did not at all. Like I was just, and I think it just shows that we go through different cycles. Like we can't, we can't take human design 
information at face level because we're also always experiencing our own personal cycles of um well for example like desiring to be around people all the time and and like party and stay up and whatever um do things all that and our own personal cycles of like more renewal and like going inwards and blah 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 blah. it was in the European summer and like in the Middle East in like the desert summer it was so hot do you think I'm gonna stay in some hotel room and like be in my own energy and like do spiritual stuff no I'm going to go to clubs I'm going to go traveling I'm going to meet new people I'm going to have conversations with random people in in coffee shops like I'm going to put myself out there because that's what I was craving for this stretch of time and so yeah this like last five days in Athens was just to come back to myself to start to integrate everything that I learned um, and how I changed and expanded in this three months of travel because oh my god there is nothing that makes me like decondition quicker and like learn to surrender quicker than travel and I will can do a whole episode on that um, really really soon I'm sure because I have so many more specific stories of like things that happened like like literally just scratch the surface with what I've shared today about this last three months. Um, And it was really beneficial. Um, It was also really hard because obviously I'd said goodbye to like a person that I'd started to have feelings for. I'd said goodbye to my sister um, and I didn't know when I would see her again uh, because again, she's still on her journey. She's still traveling um and it sucked and but at least like the suckiness made it easier to get on that flight home knowing that you know my friends my family were on the other side so flew home got home probably like midnight completely jet lagged all the things um and since then so that was probably like what two three weeks ago that I got home since then just been trying to integrate back into my everyday life Uh, And that's where we are now, where, like I said at the start of this episode, let's have a full circle moment. I'm sitting in my office. I'm looking out the window. It's a gray day. Um, It's still pretty cold, but we are feeling those first, um, like, flourishes of spring. So it's good. And I've just been really, because I wasn't able to work, obviously, for three months, I really got to um, reflect on my business and the things that I really care about, the things that I want to be doing in there, all of that. Uh, It's really amazing. Like I'm doing my tax return for the previous tax year. So if you don't know, in Australia, our tax year runs from July to the end of June rather than like January to February. So I'm doing my return for the previous year now and didn't realize how much I'd made. Uh, Like probably almost tripled my income from the year before um which is just wild to me uh and just yeah sitting with how I want to use this amazing platform and like like space this container for my creativity to flow through um and and you know bring me income in exchange moving forward so that's what I've been playing with and yeah, one of the things that I was just like, well, okay, so I'm going to put it out on this podcast too, hopefully, but I did a podcast with my friend slash past student, Riley, 
um, of Wild Woman Healing. And it was so fun to get to express that way. And then since then, I've been like, oh my God, I want to podcast again. Um, and so I was like, do you know what? Let's just do it. Let's bring back the Sovereign Projector, but let's update the cover art so it feels more me. Um, and just see where that goes. So that's where we're at now. Um, and I can't wait to talk to you more. And again, I kept this under what, like 40 minutes. That's not too bad. Hope you've enjoyed. Um, and yeah, lots of love. Um, all the play, all the ways to like work with me offers I have open at the moment, all of that will be in the show notes. My Instagram will be in the show notes, leave a rating review. If you have something nice to say, if you don't have something nice to say, why say anything at all? Um, okay. Goodbye.